This is the Real Estate Investing Abundance Podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Allen. I just want to take a moment to introduce you to our company, Steed Talker Capital. Steed Talker Capital is a real estate investment firm. If you'd like to learn more about real estate investing, head over to our website, steedtucker.com. And while you're there, take a moment to get your one-page guide to the 10 Steps to Passive Real Estate Investing. Downloading this PDF will also enroll you in our Enlightened Investor Circle. And by enrolling in the Enlightened Investor Circle, you'll be the first to know about any new investment opportunities that we are getting involved with. Look forward to hearing from you. Enjoy today's show. Hello, enlightened investors. Welcome back to Real Estate Investing Abundance. I'm your host, Dr. Alan Lomax. I'm so happy to have you with us again today. And we're going to take a look at how we can go from being a business owner to actually being the boss. And we are going to visit with Steve Rosenberg, who has parlayed all of the success from real estate investing and property management growth to be one of the most well-known influential real estate investors in the community. He's a top contributor to Bigger Pockets as well as other top real estate platforms. He has been a guest and collaborator on countless panels, webinars, masterminds, conferences, and he is also a published author and popular speaker. Steve, we're so happy to have you with us today. So take us into the show and share a memorable experience that helped you to be who you are today. Thanks, Alan, for having me. I uh, appreciate being here. I would say the most memorable moment in my life that's shaped who I am today is probably 9-11, um, September 11, 2001. Uh, the reason being is, is that was the day that my safe, secure job as an international airline pilot, two days after the towers fell, is when I got my furlough notice mm. that said that the safe, secure job that I thought I had, it was not safe and it was never secure. And that's what woke me up as a entrepreneur and as a, as a father and husband to realize that I could not rely on anyone else except myself to control my destiny. So I would say if, if there was a defining moment in my life, it would be for many reasons, but, but that was one that, that probably defined my life moving forward from that point on. Wow. I mean, that was such a shocking moment in uh, the history of the United States. And then to receive a message like that two days after that, that had to have been really shocking. And you're not the only one who's received messages like that uh, and have had wake-up calls like that. Well, Steve, tell us what is the difference between a boss and a business owner? It's a good question. I think and that kind of goes back to the difference between management and leadership. They're very distinct, different roles. When somebody, and I'll use an example of, we'll use airlines. I still am a, a commercial airline pilot. I fly a Boeing 777 aircraft along with everything else that I do. Mm. And I would say, let, let's just use that as, as an example. As a, as a pilot flying an aircraft, I am the boss. I'm in mm. charge. I have 300 lives on the aircraft and I am responsible for those people. That's the boss. Mm. When you want to be the owner, that's the airline. The airline owns the system. When you own the system, you can't be fired. As a pilot, 
as I learned after 9-11, I could be fired. I could be downsized. I can be merged. I can be degraded. I can be demoted. Mm-hmm. But when you own the system, nobody can fire you. You own the business. No one can take that away. So a lot of times we think that we own a business, but if you cannot walk away from your business for three days or three weeks or even three months and have it still operate without you, you don't own a business, you own a job. And it's probably a pretty low paying job at that when you actually factor how much time you're putting into it. So a business to me is set up on systems, processes, procedures, and it's really just repetitious tasks done over and over again. So build the system, don't build the job is is my point on that. So why is it so hard to become an actual business owner? Well, I think the first reason, uh, I think there, there's many reasons, uh, many ex- exterior extenuating circumstances that, that cause it. But I think it starts with the person themselves. It starts with their mental makeup and what they're doing. I think many people are either running away from a life that they don't want, or they're running to a life that they want. But if you look at most entrepreneurs, they're running away from a life that they didn't want anymore, meaning maybe a career, a nine to five, some type of professional or, or, or whatever they were doing. And they want to run away from that. But when I ask them, where are you running to? They don't know. So imagine, we'll go back to the flying analogy. Imagine you and I go to the airport one day and I said, hey, Alan, today let's jump in this Boeing 777 aircraft and uh, we may go to Hawaii Maybe we'll go to Rio, maybe London. I, I don't know. I don't know how much fuel's on board. I don't really, I've never done this before. I've never been to this destination. I'm not sure how to do it, but I'd say we get up in the air and let's give it a shot and we'll just see how it goes. Probably you wouldn't get in that aircraft with me or you shouldn't, but how many people start a business? They don't have an end destination. They don't know how much fuel they have. They don't have a business plan and they get on the highway of entrepreneurship and they just start driving. Mm-hmm. And then they're shocked when they run out of gas or they fail at being an entrepreneur. But if I didn't have a flight plan, you probably wouldn't get on the plane with me. But why is it okay for people to start a business without a business plan, without a strategy? More importantly, without an end goal. When I coach entrepreneurs, which is what I do now, I ask them, what's the destination of the business? What's the goal? And they'll give me some some very vague answer like, well, in five to 10 years, I want passive income. Well, that is not a goal and that's not a destination. I need to know a day a month and a year of when this is actually going to be happening. So it's a smart goal. And then I need to know what are the specific goals that we want to achieve. If I just said, Hey, I want to head westbound today and we'll just kind of see where we go and and figure it out. That's not a destination. For example, if you look at a sports game, a scoreboard has an actual score of who won the game. I know for a fact that team won because of the score. How do I know if this person's winning their game or not, if they're not even keeping track, they don't have a score and there's no time limit. So the first thing I ask people is what's the sale date of your business? Now, many people may come back and say, Steve, I never want to sell my business, but that's not my question. I didn't say, what day are you selling it? I said, what is the sale date? For it to be a saleable asset means it has to be running completely without your involvement. Because if it's not running without your involvement, I go back to my first statement, you don't own a business, you own a job. So we've got to build it with the end in mind to have it running on systems, processes, and procedures to have it run without you. And that means you've got to build it with the end in mind and reverse engineer it. For example, if somebody said, well, Steve, on February 1st, 2029, I want to be doing $10 million a year in revenue with a 35% profit margin, and I want to be working three hours a week. Okay, now we know the destination and we can work it backwards. 
So going back to your original question, I think the reason why people don't, why people fail so often, and it is very often, is because they don't build that foundation and they don't build it to succeed. They build it because they're running away from something and they don't even know what they're running towards. Well, all that makes sense. So how does one begin to put it all together? Well, I, I go back to, you've got to start with the end in mind. And even with real estate investors, what what does this portfolio, you know, a lot of people, when I ask people about real estate, and, I, and I'm very well known in the real estate world, and I work with a lot of investors, they get caught up in the strategy and they get caught up in the, I am a flipper, I do syndications. That's like saying, I'm a hammer, I'm a rake, I'm a shovel. These are just strategies to get you the goal. What is the goal that you're trying to achieve with this? So a lot of times people identify as the strategy. They don't identify with the results. Mm -hmm. So I, I go back to saying we've got to slow down to speed this up. If you want to build a real estate portfolio, I mean, real estate is four walls and a roof. That's all it is. The success or the failure of those four walls and a roof is the business model that's running inside of that business. And if you don't have a business plan and you don't have a succession and a way to succeed, like you said, generational wealth, what is it you're doing and why are you doing it and where is this going? So sometimes I think slowing down to speed it up is very important by actually asking these tough questions. As entrepreneurs, and I was one of them, trust me, I did it this way, is we're ready, shoot, aim. We just want to get going. We just want to buy a property. And then we buy this property and we go, what do I do with this? Well, shouldn't you have thought of that before you purchased it? Like, shouldn't you have taken some time? There, there's always properties every day. Thousands of transactions happen. You're not missing anything. But once you buy the wrong property, which I've done many times in the past, I realized it's no longer their problem. It's now my problem. And now I have to figure this out. And once all the hoopla and, and patting on the back is done, you know, you've got to rest your head on the pillow at night saying, how am I going to get the return out of this that I thought I was going to do because I didn't do the right due diligence. So I, I, I don't know if that answered the question, but I think it's a lot of slowing down and just methodically looking at this as a business, not just four walls and a roof and being in love with the concept of what you're doing. Enlightened investors, if you haven't done so already, be sure and click that like button and also click that share so others can take advantage of the content. And finally, be sure to subscribe so you don't miss a single one of our upcoming episodes. Well, it, it makes it makes sense, Steve. But if you could, you had mentioned that you had uh, gone through a process of aim, shoot, and I mean, aim, shoot, and, uh, and I mean, <laughs> what is it? Uh, ready, shoot, aim. Ready, shoot, aim. Yes, you have gone through that process. Thank you for helping with that, helping me with that. So how did you find your way out of that and turn things around so that you could aim, shoot, and then fire? I failed. I failed a lot. And I realized that a failing at something is not a definition of me. Mm -hmm. I realized, and not knowing it at the time, that I was learning how to get better. Because every time I would fail and get knocked down or get ripped off or lied to, it was a reflection on me of something that I could be better at. Mm -hmm. So I was taught by my mentors and I've been trained and I'm a big believer in self-development that we, we have two ways of looking at things. We can either look at a, a, a lesson here, a failure, and we can take ownership, accountability, and responsibility, or we can do what most people do and have blame, excuse, and denial. So. We have a choice 
every day that we wake up to make that decision. How is my day going to go? And I started realizing that even if I have blame and excuse and denial, nobody cares. Nobody cares if I succeed or fail. I have to care more than anyone else. And I started to realize that, and again, I, I've, I've talked to many mentors and coaches that are very successful. And I remember one, one gentleman that was my mentor. And I said, how do we do this? How do we grow this business? And how do we get this going faster? He said, if you want to grow faster, you have to fail faster. He said, the faster you fail and get up, the more successful you'll be. And I thought to myself, that doesn't even sound close to being right in my mind because we're taught in school. If you fail, you get held back. Right. But that's, that's a different, you know, ideology. So I realized there's a lot of truth to that because we started failing. We didn't look at it as failures. We just looked at it as, okay, we won't do that again. Mm -hmm. A lot of ego and pride gets in the way of success because I don't want to, people to look at me and say, oh my God, I can't believe you failed. Now I really don't care. Like I will fail as big as I can. I've probably failed bigger than most people have ever succeeded at certain things because I realize it's not an identity of me. It has nothing to do with my ego. It's, it's never about me. It's always about the process and the goal and the destination I'm trying to go to. Like, for example, when we were all kids riding a bike, riding a bicycle, we'd get up on the bicycle, we'd fall down. We'd get up, we'd fall down. Well, every time we fell down, we failed. If we never got back on the bike, then we would be a failure at riding a bicycle. But eventually, most of us probably have learned how to ride a bicycle by failing over and over again. And the next thing you know, you're riding and then maybe you're doing jumps and tricks. But that's a succession of your failures. Mm -hmm. But again, we have a, I think we are taught to have such an aversion to money that whenever we fail with money, meaning we, we lose money at something, we feel it's a, it's a direct reflection on how intelligent we are or how, you know, uh, into our souls of who we are. And it's not because I go back to the thing. Nobody really cares if you fail or succeed unless you take the lesson and try to be better. Well, what are the biggest struggles for uh, most entrepreneurs? Well, I think it's, it's how one of the biggest struggles I would say is entrepreneurs because we birthed an idea. Right. Let's say we have an idea as a business owner, a real estate investor, whatever it is. We, we, we came up with this idea. So it's ours. So now we have to realize that in order for this to be a business and not a job, we have to leverage systems, technology, people. When you leverage these things, you're leveraging time, money, expertise of other people. So we have to get out of our own way. We have to get it out of our head document it with systems and procedures and have other people do it. The biggest challenge is as entrepreneurs, especially people who started a business, it is as soon as somebody does not do exactly the way that person wants it, they push them out of the way, they put their superhero cape on, they jump in the way and they say, I've got this. Well, as a business owner and as a, as a, someone who owns a business and it has teams underneath them, all you're doing is you're training these people to say, if I screw up enough, Alan's just going to jump in and fix it. I get paid either way. So I'll just wait because he's never going to be happy with what I do. And Alan says, you know what? Nobody can do it as good as me. I might as well just do it myself. And you went right back into that cycle of it's, it's almost, we almost do it to ourselves because the challenge we have as entrepreneurs, we came up with a great idea. We're comfortable. We don't like going out of our comfort zone because 
we don't want to look dumb because it's a status thing. I built a business. It's doing good. It's reality. It's not a business. It's a job. And I don't want to get out of my comfort zone because if I hire other people, all of a sudden I have to look at myself and say, okay, Alan, what do I need to do today to grow the business? I've got to get uncomfortable. Maybe I have to go shake hands with some higher people. Maybe I have to learn how to raise money. Maybe I have to learn how to have bigger conversations, talk about partnerships. I don't want to do that. I want to go back into my comfort zone of my bubble and do what I do. So I self-sabotage what other people are doing so that I can jump in as the hero and fix things. And it's a very interesting cycle that I've learned that, that this is what people do. And this is why they can't get out of their own way because they actually, and I don't think they do it on purpose. I don't think this is something that, you know, you, you do on purpose. I think it's something that we do self um, subconsciously because we want to feel the status of being needed. And if I go out to my unknown, that's uncomfortable for me. So I'm going to stay in my warm, fuzzy bubble. And I don't really need these people because people say like, oh, it just, it's just a couple minutes. It's just emails. It's just phone calls. But as an example, a five minute phone call is equal to 23 minutes of lost productivity. So I think as an entrepreneur, we can all say we get at least 10 phone calls a day. And if you're taking those 10 phone calls, statistically, you're at about 230 minutes a day of lost productivity, which is about close to you know half your workday. And that's called being reactive because whenever a phone call happens, it's a reactionary item. Now you have to react to it. You got to stop what you're doing, disengage, handle a situation. And that's when people say like, I don't know what I did all day. I was just busy putting out fires. That's because you've trained your employees and you've trained your business to do exactly what you just did. Exactly. Yeah. Well, Stephen, we all learn best, I think, by example. So you had said that 9-11 was your wake-up call and you had to find your way from that. So can you just trace out for us the path that you trod after 9-11 <clears throat> uh, to find your way to actually be uh, the owner uh, rather than the boss. Yeah. So, and, and I'll just, just go back to a personal moment of mine. And I don't know if you remember this, Alan, but when 9-11 happened, all the aircrafts that were in the sky at the time had to descend and land immediately over any airfield that they were over mm -hmm. or they would be shot down. So every plane in the world was on the ground, which is a lot of aircraft. I had gotten my furlough notice that I was on the list to be furloughed. And a couple of days after that, I was dispatched to go pick up an aircraft. I think I was in Denver airport or something. And I remember walking through the terminal of Denver airport. It was, I believe it was Denver. And I look out at, now, if you've ever been in an airport where there is nobody, no human life, it's very eerie. It's this huge cavernous building and it's echoing. And we're just on the heels of nine 11. I had gotten my furlough notice. So it's it's a very surreal feeling already. And I, I clear as day, I remember looking out at the tarmac of all the aircraft that are jammed and parked in like a jigsaw puzzle. Hundreds, if not thousands of airplanes just sitting on the ramp is dead like a cemetery. And I remember walking, thinking to myself, my life will never be the same again because of this. I didn't do it. I didn't cause it, but I'm affected by it. And I remember at that moment telling myself, I will never, ever let anyone or anything dictate or control my life moving forward. I will always be able to control my own destiny. And, and I never forget that because I blamed myself because I got lazy. I got a job at an airline, a major airline. And I thought to myself, I'm set for life. 
I'm good because that's what people told me. They said, Steve, when you get hired with a major airline, you're, you're golden. You'll retire a millionaire. And I thought to myself, how dumb was I to believe other people? That's on me. I had to own that. So for me, I had to start realizing that I had to control my destiny. Now, I'm not a control freak, but I just realized that my actions or inactions directly affect my success or my failure. And I've learned that every day, every day I wake up, I have a decision to make. And that decision is I'm either going to be better than the day before or I'm going to be worse. It's very simple. It's a very simple decision. And if you don't make a decision, you've made a decision. And every day I woke up, I thought, I'm just going to be a little bit better. I'm going to learn a little bit more. I'm going to try to be better. And I'm going to try to keep moving forward. And that, that's all I did. It was really one step in front of the other. And I had a lot of mistakes. I got ripped off. I got lied to. I got cheated. You name it. And it happened to me in real estate. As a matter of fact, people said, you should write a book with everything. So I did. And I just kept getting up every day and say, you know what? I'm just, I'm, I've got, I had, and I think a lot of it is I didn't have a choice. So a lot of people that want to become an entrepreneur from a professional standpoint, they would like to do it. Well, liking to do something and having to do something are two totally different worlds. I had to do something because I was getting furloughed. So I had to figure something out. And so for me, that was my destiny to say, I'm not going to be controlled by anything or anyone again. And if I do, every morning I have a decision to make. Am I going to be better or worse? Because I can't get yesterday back. I can only dictate and move the needle for today. And so for me, that's how I do that. Well, Steve, you do a lot of things, but uh, some of the things you do is coaching and uh, mentorship. So tell us about that and uh, how we can take advantage of that. Yeah, I, you know, I've learned that life is all about stages. And the the first, I, I just turned 50 and I've been very fortunate. I've been very blessed. I've been very successful, both personally, financially, and I've learned we have to give back. And I'm a big believer in being selfless and not selfish. And one of my mentors told me one time, he said, Steve, if you have a gift, whatever that gift is, you have an obligation to share that gift. He said, that 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 is your job to share your gift. And I never really thought about that. I thought, okay, that's weird, but okay. Well, as I started evolving as an entrepreneur and selling a business and, and helping other businesses, I seemed to be able to help people become more successful here mentally, to become that successful person, to say successful things, act like successful people, talk like successful people, be around successful people, just think differently. And then I also have the skill set of showing people by being a 30-year a commercial airline pilot how to systematize their business and how to run it so that it runs without them. So it's, it's two things that I'm, I'm very skilled and I'm blessed to have that ability. So I help people that are trying to build a business, trying to build a real estate portfolio, trying to build a whatever their trade business is or dentists, doctors, whatever, to show them how to think like successful people, to build successful businesses, to have a successful life. And so my goal is to help people. So I coach people, I mentor them. I've got various different programs that I have. One of them is a mansion mastermind where I bring in some very, very high level speakers and entrepreneurs, like a gentleman named Brad Lee, the Iron Cowboy, Nick Santanastaso. I mean, I, I, I do this a couple times a year and then I give unlimited coaching access to me because I am invested in people's success. I also have video courses for people that want to learn real estate or successful business tactics. 
I just feel that if I have a gift, I don't need the money. I mean, money doesn't define me personally. Um, that's just my personal opinion. I don't care how much money is in my bank account. When I leave this earth and wherever I go after that, I want to at least feel like I've made a difference. And for me, this is how I do it. And so I help people if they, if you want to go to my website um, or look me up online, you can do that. But I'm all about helping people and giving back. And I think that there's a difference between selfish and selfless. And I've just made it a mission and a point to be selfless for the, for the last half of my life to give back as much as I can. And all of that information will be in the show notes. Well, Steve, one last question. What has been the most difficult setback you've had in real estate? How did you deal with that? And uh, how did you come through that time? Well, when I told you that we purchased a lot of properties, uh, we actually purchased a lot of bad properties. We had a lot of bad debt, 40, 50 houses, and we did it all wrong. I mean, you name it, you, you check off all the wrong things that you would do. We did them. If this was after we actually owned an apartment complex. So we knew what to do, but we were so emotionally attached to it. We did everything wrong. Mm -hmm. The reason we actually started the property management company is because no property management company wanted to take them because they said, we don't want these properties. So out of a have to, we created a management company to structure and systemize our business. And then we had to figure out how to sell these properties. So we figured out a strategy, how to sell them via owner finance, which is what we did. And we went down that path. So we took something that was a negative, which was basically going to head us to bankruptcy, to be completely honest, by owning, I think it was 40 something houses that were horrible investments. Mm -hmm. And we took that concept, turned it into creating a management company and built a multi-million dollar company because of our mistake. So had I never purchased the bad properties, I probably wouldn't be sitting here today having this conversation as a successful entrepreneur because I wouldn't have been hurt so bad by owning the bad stuff. So for me, that that's my pit, that was my moment. Well, Steve, thank you for being with us today. Thanks for sharing your wisdom and expertise. It has been a pleasure having you today. My pleasure. It's good talking to you. Thank you for having me. Enlightened investors, don't go yet. I have just a couple of quick requests. You know the drill, like, share, and subscribe. But we also need your help to build our audience, so please go to your favorite podcast app and leave us a five-star rating and review. I'll be most grateful. Until next time, prosper and live abundantly. Thank you for tuning in to Real Estate Investing Abundance, brought to you by Steve Talker Capital, a company working for passionate professionals like you to develop financial independence built on solid, passive real estate investments. As part of our efforts to make the world a better place, Steve Talker Capital contributes to activities and organizations committed to better understand the equine. These endeavors attempt to enhance the human treatment of horses worldwide. Steve Talker Capital, working for a world where all creatures, great and small, flourish abundantly. For resources to develop your financial independence, connect with us at stevetalker.com.